Hey, it's Mathar again. Just a quick reminder, if you're listening to this episode the week that it comes out, you'll be able to catch today's prep with guest DM John Graham live on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash catacomb party. It runs every other Sunday at around 5 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss it, then no big deal because it's going to go up on our YouTube channel. And you can find that by searching Catacomb Party on YouTube. And so we'll be posting all of our character builds, which is part of a series called Out of Character. And all of our one shots that aired originally on Twitch will get their VOD replay on YouTube. So after you listen to this episode, hop over to twitch.tv slash catacomb party and give us a follow so that you can get those notifications whenever we go live. Dungeon Babies is brought to you this week by Tarikian Law. If you're seeking legal counsel or you're just in a situation that you're not sure how to handle, Tarikian Law might be the answer. They offer a 30-minute consultation to assess your situation because not every attorney is the right professional for the job. And the great thing about Tarikian Law is that there's no doublespeak, there's no confusing language, and there's no upfront commitment. It's just 30 minutes with someone who wants to understand what it is you're going through and help you get to the next step. So you can stop sitting with the uncertainty and you can get the advice you need today. Just visit tarigianlaw.com. That's T-O-R-I-G-I-A-N-L-A-W.com. All you have to do is answer a few questions and someone will follow up to schedule your consultation so that you can get the clarity you need to decide how you should proceed. No matter the circumstances, we all deserve some peace of mind. So once again, that's T-O-R-I-G-I-A-N-L-A-W.com. Tarigian Law, the advice you need minus the bullshit. I have dice in my house like some people have hidden guns. <laughs> just like a little secret compartment. <laughs> I love that. A little like thumbprint scanners and someone's like, "Oh man, I want to play D anD D, but I don't have the stuff." Yet the the Shoot. couch lifts up and it's all the books. One hundred percent. One hundred percent, man. You can never miss an opportunity to get someone addicted. Years from now, after John's retired, you know, something's going to happen. He's going to have to go into the basement with his sledgehammer where he <laughs> cemented over yes. his box. With stuff. Yep. It's just like two books and uh, rows of dice. You, know? <laughs> you, uh, you playing again, John? Just working some stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that being recorded? That's definitely the cold open. <laughs> Welcome to Dungeon Babies. I am your sexy, leather-clad, chaotic math wizard, Mathar de Leon. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do we, do we have to follow that up? <laughs> yep, we have to come oh, up with a man. character, I think. is. <laughs> I'm your half-witted, baby's body, man-sized fighter in a diaper, Joshua Ramsey. I made mine mildly <laughs> Jurassic Park related. I don't, I don't know, know I what yours is, but I now scared. I can't stop picturing that it's, character it's in, there. in the Lost World setting. So exactly. it's totally there. Well, no, no, you're the blood-sucking lawyer. No, I'm a... Uh... I'm the guy who's trying to steal the, the embryos. Uh, 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 I can redo uh, mine. Uh, can that's, it, that's it. That's it. That's uh, it. Uh, uh, uh. This, of course, is a show that explores the dangers of role playing, in which 
Mere mortals attempt to prep an adventure in one hour or less. And today is a very, very special day because we are joined by our first ever guest adventurer, the one, the only, the wise and benevolent DM John Graham. Welcome, John. Yay! Welcome to Dungeon Babies. I imagine like a round of applause effect yeah, there. Uh, uh, Everyone imagine that. Can we? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am John Graham, the scantily clad ripped clothed uh, barbarian woman that's official all right good it's yeah. canon i want to say first of all that uh we're both honored and terrified that you're here because <laughs> i definitely listened to podcasts and watched actual play online but getting to experience your craft at the table firsthand was I think, an education for both of us. I think maybe me more uh, indirectly because Josh learned to DM from you <laughs> and then I learned from you and Josh. So like, I, I think your influence has trickled down through the ages. There's something certainly to be said from um, learning from others' failures. So I learned to DM from John in the sense that I never planned on doing it, or at least I wanted to eventually, but like way in the future. And we were mid-campaign, and John said, hey, man, my life's kind of busy. You're teaming next week. <laughs> I went, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> it was the equivalent of the, throwing the child in the, the pool for the first time swimming and hope they, you know. He's like, remember that one time six flourish. months ago when you said, man, DMing seems cool. I might want to do that one day. <laughs> Well, Today that's actually that par for the course, Josh, because your first live stream on Twitch was like, hey, man, I'm too busy. You got to do the next one. And, yeah, and like, I'm like, okay. oh. All right, I'm was, doing it. I was trained for this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, we're so happy to have John here today uh, for more reason than one. Uh, first of all, because it's exciting to have a guest on. Josh and I have a pretty good rhythm, but the energy of three people, I'm liking it a lot. That's, and yeah. also because we do have another live stream coming up and we haven't done shit. So John <laughs> is swooping in to save us from uh, you know a dead broadcast. Josh and I are going to help John actually fill out the uh, framework of this adventure and uh, we will have some unsuspecting PCs that are going to have to roll backup characters. That is, oh yeah, that's a given. Now, John, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. You've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for a while now, yeah? Yes, I have. I was brought into the world of Dungeons and Dragons uh, through a good friend of mine um, who um I worked with, we were both bartenders, and he was mm -hmm. like, dude, I can tell you're a nerd. Let's play this game. And then through that, um, he brought me in and we started with Pathfinder. And um, then I started my own campaign and we uh, eventually turned it into a and d, &D campaign. And through that, we have now sprouted this um, blossoming um, vine uh, this vineyard of of friends and family that are now playing this mm -hmm. lovely game. And it's kind of, you know, almost like spores. It's all kind of grown and we've all started <laughs> getting into it ourselves and, and then teach other people. And it's been this kind of infection of Dungeons and Dragons um, throughout. It started uh, off beautiful, like vines and roots in nature, and it ended as an STD. <laughs> <laughs> as most things do. Well, I've, been, I, I've been playing for about six years now. How long have I been playing? Well, you see, it was about five years, and then 2020 happened, and then we all have lost track of time and realized that a year has exactly. almost gone by. I've also played like four years worth of D&D &D this year so far, so I don't know if you can count all those just as different years on there. A couple things happened. 
when I moved to Phoenix. One, I lost a lot of weight because I didn't have anyone to drink with. <laughs> so <laughs> I wasn't showing up at Josh's bar <laughs> every day <laughs> to like drink a couple pints and talk to him about D&D. I was meeting up online and there's less of a social, mm-hmm. uh, less social pressure to drink when you're playing <laughs> in Roll20. And uh, yeah, then then I quickly transitioned to playing D&D way more than my wife would love for me to to, and not because she hates the fact that I'm playing D&D. It's just that she doesn't know how to play it and is very intimidated by the game. So she feels left out. So <laughs> I keep trying to find a role-playing game that would be perfect for her. And so far, we've established that it needs to be a little bit like Stars Hollow on the Gilmore Girls in order for her to really want to okay. partake. So yes. Less violence and more you know, I'm, traditions, holidays, talking about your problems. So that's kind of like D&D. Kind of, yeah. I mean, anything can be D&D if you try hard enough. <laughs> so every week we talk a little bit about what's going on at our tables. So since you're new, John, why don't you start? And I know you have some very unique situations at your in your home games because you are DMing for children. Is that right? Yes, I am dungeon master in here for both children of the actual kind and children of the mental kind so it's <laughs> um i get a, a wide variety a wide uh, age range of children that i play with yeah um and uh yeah so my kids and i play um almost uh, every night when i have them here with me i we have a bedtime story um, that's been a running a running bedtime story campaign basically for um, uh, years now, actually. And um, basically, I kind of set the scene, and the kids kind of tell me what what they want to do tonight and what what they want to explore. And then they they role play. They tell me what they want to do. They talk to each other. They they have different character names. Sometimes they play the same recurring character. Sometimes they play a different character every night. And uh, we go through a mini a mini mission, a mini adventure, and it's uh, it's been everything from spooks like uh, ghouls and and werewolves and uh, uh, things like that, and saving little children from getting you know eaten in a house made of candy to um, <laughs> you know trying to convince a band of pirates to let you on their ship so that they can take you to get the wild peach fruit off of some island and the vast ocean you know it's it's nice. um it's been a lot of fun uh it oh, started off actually as like a harry potter themed campaign they they all wanted to be little witches and then um, that's it's, so fucking adorable oh yeah. my god <laughs> yeah so um, we're they, they picked their houses and the first the first stuff it was it was all wizards well yeah you have a you have another campaign going on as well that's not with kids right yeah, so um, basically, it's called Favored Train. We haven't uh, recorded in a while, but it's uh... <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't want to know about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. No. So, um, so yeah, I uh, randomly have had a, a coworkers come up to me, and they've kind of just from seeing my post and me trying to, um, you know, selflessly, humbly uh, promote myself here on all of my social media accounts um, have kind of gotten the courage to come up and be like hey man you know like if if you're doing this D D thing i kind of like i don't want anyone else to know i'm into it but People like i mean very if, casually interested in it now it's like yeah. it's like they're they're 
slide into the DMs and sort of like, hey, you know, <laughs> it's also like a, about that. I like guess a shit, don't thing they want to keep secret, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Don't tell anyone. But that's <laughs> Coming awesome. out of the D&D closet, maybe. What right. was your favorite uh, campaign with the kids? Or your favorite adventure with the kids so far? Favorite adventure with the kids so far? Let's see. Hmm, that's a great question. Probably when so my daughter is older she's about nine now and my son's about five and they both wanted to do this kind of late night spooky it was kind of getting closer to last halloween my son wanted to be a um i think he wanted to be a ghost and my daughter wanted to be a wolf but Every time I'd start to set the scene, it's like, it's a dark and scary night and there's fog laying over the floor. And and then my daughter would get scared and she's like, can it be like a not so dark night? Like, can it just be like, a, you know, maybe there's like not fog. Like, OK, it's fine. So it's it's just a regular night. There's it's a full moon. You can see everything, whatever. But then in the distance, you hear a shriek. And it, can it just be like a hey, like, you know, like, does that be a shriek? OK, fine. So it ended up being like the least scary haunting campaign <laughs> you could imagine <laughs> where we found a witch but she was a nice witch and then we found these kids and they were um they were actually okay you know they were just kind of mildly <laughs> they, they had some mildly mild issues inconvenience <laughs> problems where they just got a little turned around and couldn't find their way home and then we led them home and um owen wasn't a scary ghost he was a nice ghost and you know and shiloh was a uh, a nice wolf or what you know vice versa and it, it was it ended up being a very wholesome <laughs> not so much a wolf more like a beagle <laughs> my life's ambition to dm for children that are just that keep telling me it's too scary because yeah. <laughs> it's too scary for me i never put enough combat or encounters in my campaigns because i'm just always afraid of killing my players or hurting them or making them upset yeah. and like i think dming for children who are just like can you like take it down a notch would be so refreshing yes yeah. <laughs> <just like>, all <laughs> uh awesome josh what about you what's been going on at your table we skipped a week because i'm a busy boy Mm -hmm. but we've done an episode where we prepped a heist for you and your group Mm -hmm. and i was like damn i want that so (laughs) (laughs) this last session was like a lot of role play and stuff that all kind of built up um they found out a lot of like cool kind of big picture plot points for the campaign I have going on. So like this deity they've been serving this whole time you yeah. find out is like not so much a deity, but like I'm playing it as a Malconfet who's like the in D and D lore, the succubus queen of hell basically. Yeah. Okay. And she's kind of over the whole demon thing. So she's like, I'll go, yeah. I'll go make my own Island paradise and I'm just going to be a God now. Like that sounds nice. So she's like doing it on a whim. And it's like, no one knows how long it's going to be before she just gets bored with that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but it all ended with like the Mission Impossible theme playing. And then them being like, all right, even if you can get past the guards, you still got to deal with the locked door. And say you managed to get past that. <laughs> was, we just ended on like the full classic heist setup. And it was great. And I loved it. And next session is a heist. I get to use like this battle map I've been building for like a month. And I'm just super excited. So, yeah, that's that's basically what's going on on my table. I can't talk too much about what's to come, though, because uh, actually one of my players is working from home in the same room. So (laughs) that's about as much as I can say. What about you, Matharm? I 
actually ran that heist that you're talking about that we prepped okay. and it was a disaster no way <laughs> disaster awesome. might be a stretch it wasn't exactly the worst thing that's <laughs> happened at the table we had some stinker nights but this was um i i tried running it as a honey heist right and, which i'm not doing but right and yeah. and uh players did not respond super well because honey ice is hard it's supposed to be like this easy <laughs> laid back super chill low rules but the mechanics of balancing your points and not becoming yeah. fully criminal like within the first 10 minutes somebody was at like five and one like Shit. so for those who haven't uh, don't know about honey heist or haven't listened to the previous episode honey heist is really really simple you play with a d6 and you basically have three points in your bear column and three points in your criminal column and if you succeed on something you become more criminal like in the heist and then if you fail you become more bear and if you become too bear you like wig out and do bear shit and destroy the whole adventure and get picked up by animal control and if you get too criminal you betray the party and so it's this delicate balance of trying to keep those in play and it's a lot harder to do than it makes it seem in the rules. The rules are very light. And then when you actually start playing. So we spent most of the session just kind of trying to figure out how do these fucking rules work and what it did, did we just lose? And I had to keep giving them honey so they could balance it back. And <laughs> it, it just didn't work. So uh, we ended a little bit early and then I'm just going to retool it for fifth edition. <laughs> yeah. gonna, they loved the owlbear aspect of it. They all got to be... <laughs> They had to they pick like out their, little hats. They like their hats. Yeah. They that's... fucking love their hats. I let them pick their own hats and describe what they look like. Nice. Um, so <laughs> I had like the, like one of them had like a Stetson, one had a bowler, one had like a driving cap and <laughs> and they turned into different kinds of owlbears. So I let them describe what their owlbear looked like, what, what, what bear body it was combined with and what <laughs> owl. And so we were just picturing these really amazing, like somebody had like a, a, a body that's inspired by a koala. They wanted to be like little. And then they wanted to have like a barn owl face and someone else was oh, that's like, great. so we're just How looking funny. up different owl types in the middle of the session. To figure out what <laughs> yeah. So like. for the heist to break into this place, they were going to put on these like magical hats that would transform them into like performing owl bears to go in as the entertainment <laughs> <laughs> so that he could mix uh, honey heist and D&D and uh I love the idea of putting on a magic hat and then now you're an owlbear with a magic hat on and <laughs> go play Honey Heist. <laughs> so my big challenge with this week's session is trying to figure out now they I'm giving them the ability to remove the hat and like revert to their goblin form. So they're the the levels of inception in this campaign are pretty wild. <laughs> so they're all playing characters that are inside someone's like flashback. They're playing goblins, but they're like able to like remember like who they are viewing this adventure through the body of a goblin that's on a heist that's putting on a hat and becoming an owlbear with a code name <laughs> <laughs> so it's like too many layers it's really Dude, I, really ridiculous but they're having a good a, time with that so every time we do dungeon babies need tell me what's going on i feel like i need a cork board with the yarn <laughs> yeah bunch it's, of post-it notes news clippings yeah it's oh, pretty wild yeah. it's off the rails but uh i mean they're really invested in it so. i feel like nicholas cage trying to solve a mystery every time <laughs> that's <laughs> fair that's fair uh anybody who knows me knows uh that i have a tendency to overcomplicate things so that is uh that's just part of my nature it's who i it's, am it's, it's what you great. love about me and it's just it's what you gotta love about being at my table you overcomplicating things yeah, no never no, no that no, that would thanks. be like that'd be insane that'd be like me showing up unprepared yeah here's the thing <laughs> yeah that would be that would be insane 
let's move to some prep because John's got an amazing idea. And for those who are listening for the first time, what we're going to do here, we're going to set the stage for John's idea for an upcoming live stream that you can watch on twitch.tv slash catacomb party. That date is going to be September 13th at 5 p.m. Pacific time. And then Josh and I are going to just kind of lob some ideas at him, maybe have him roll on some tables to come up with some story hooks. And some other stuff. And some I other stuff as we were doing the intro. <laughs> oh, that you mean you prepared in advance? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, that's what I mean. The things that I thought heavily about. You, you, can't, you can't create diamonds without pressure. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, John, why don't you tell us about the rough idea that you're bringing to the table today? What What you got? All right. The rough idea is. The Lost World, <laughs> Jurassic Park. <laughs> so I what do you guys it. think? <laughs> That's honestly enough. I don't know what we're supposed to prep from there. It cool. seems and done. It's a survival scenario, right? Correct. So yeah, the idea just kind of comes from my just absolute love for everything Jurassic Park. And oh, it was so one good. of my absolute favorite movies throughout my entire life. I can completely quote the entire thing and now my son loves it too so we get to like rewatch it and i get to go buy all these dinosaur legos and stuff and, and pretend it's for him and so my idea for it is to kind of have some sort of genius level mage guy secretly creating this island theme park and then as things do everything goes to absolute shit and a group of people are hired to go in and either rescue people or go in and defeat some crazy beasts that he's gone around the multiverse and the different planes and the different areas of the world and brought in to be like features of this park. And then somehow squeeze that into a session or two. So that's why I think it has to be some kind of a concise idea. But I don't know what exactly. I just know I want to just show up on an island, badass players, total chances of player deaths you know, you could have mutant Tyrannosaurus Rexes show up with <laughs> lasers attached to their head. I don't care. I love that idea. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, good. I think you mentioned uh, when we were discussing this briefly, this could be the like foundation for possibly like a longer sort of adventure or campaign. Correct. What we normally do, very rarely do we have like any kind of preconceived notion. So we'll start with like setting or theme or genre and and kind of try to build something off of that. But since we already have that and you sort of have an idea for a big bad, Josh has some NPC ideas rolled up on a table. I put together a couple tables that might help us with a story hook. Sweet. So what do you think? Maybe we start with the hook, seeing about like what actually brought your players to this island. That might help us start building the framework for this adventure. What do you think? I love it. Okay, so grab two D6s. Uh-oh. That'll give us two pieces of information that we need to start building the story hook. All righty, guys. So for this uh, for this role here, I'm using a green D6 that is from my first ever polyhedral set. And nice. then a yellow D6 that has a star for the six that I got when I was in high school because I really like stars. All right. Wow. <laughs> I won't be lucky. I won't describe every dice. I, no, you need to stop and let us know every dice. <laughs> we we thank you. We thank you. It's 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 good. Everyone has dice that have some history to them. Like these, are the dice I rolled when my character died, <laughs> trying to open a door. These are my dead <laughs> <Right>. dice. <laughs> my death oh. dice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I got uh, three for my first mm-hmm. die, and one for my second die. What do we win? Tell me what he won. <laughs> All right, so I, I'm going to take them in the order that you gave me. Okay. You got a three and a one, because if I inverted them, which I'll tell you what that result is, it's actually literally 
literally Jurassic, the plot of Jurassic Park. <laughs> so in the order that you gave me, the first table is a disembodied voice. And the second table is a, a case of mistaken identity. So those are the two things that can help us create a story hook. A disembodied voice and a case of mistaken identity. Okay. What kind of story hook can we weave around that? All right. So a disembodied voice, maybe a cry for help, maybe some kind of a blast like an SOS beacon uh, that just goes into the minds of of someone else, some kind of a and then uh, the mistaken identity. Maybe it's thinking it's some kind of a rescue mission or something like that. But then it ends up being that the person calling them was the exact thing that they need to destroy. See, what came to my mind was that the voice was reaching out for these heroes that would save them and got the wrong <laughs> the wrong group. <laughs> that's, that's I like that. Okay, I like that. And then you took it, this is what I love about this, right? So you took it as like, okay, disembodied voice reaching out to these people and they get hoodwinked. So they show up to this island uh, expecting to rescue this person and then they're thrown into the chaos of this place which implies that the person who put this together has set it up less like a theme park and more like a gauntlet (laughs) (laughs) so that's that's actually a pretty good setup for this world right so the person who created it is uh a bit diabolical in that sense right not Mm -hmm. just crazy but perhaps a little bit uh a little bit on the evil side. <laughs> so as we deal with this uh, this mad mage, if you will, everything we do here today, John, obviously this is your one shot. These are all more suggestions than anything uh, to help get you in the mindset. Um, so I have a few different voice options for this mad mage. If you want to roll a d6 twice, I'll give you two options and then you can choose what this mad mage will do. Oh, I love this. This will help inspire this character. We can build from here, you know? All right. So for these rolls, I'm using my purple <laughs> dice from Wormwood that okay. I got when I won uh, a random uh, giveaway. Very and then cool. my D6 from my friend's Rain Megan's wedding that says April 9th, 2016. You know, this is important backstory because uh, John has more dice than anyone I know. He's a true <laughs> yeah. dice goblin. All right. Uh, so the first dice, uh, six. Okay. The second one is two. All right, so your options here for this Mad Mage are mm-hmm. just Jeff Goldblum, okay, or Austin Powers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Welcome to my island, baby. Yeah, that, I, has to be that one. Has to be that one. I can certainly do a better Austin Powers impression. Probably, I want to. I, I want to practice it in front of the mirror first. Um, but uh, I could probably do that better than the Jeff Goldblum. Now get out there and explore the <laughs> island. It's psychedelic, <laughs> baby. <laughs> yeah, see, my, my Goldblum would be like, nah. <laughs> that's your Goldblum? <laughs> yeah, that's the best I got. <laughs> uh, uh, chaos, maybe. <laughs> you can combine them. <laughs> It's Austin Powers uh, if Jeff Goldblum played him. Life uh, (laughs) finds a way, baby. Oh goodness! It's uh, what uh, you you see. It's well, well, it's it's shagadelic. Now I'm just picturing all the famous uh, Jeff Goldblum scenes in Jurassic Park replaced with Mike Myers. Oh. Now, 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 you do, in, you, t- you did, do intend to have uh, adventures uh, in this adventure game, uh, right? Uh, right? 
All right. So we've got we've got a disembodied voice and a mistaken identity, possibly two, depending on how we go about this, depending on (laughs) where this mistaken identity lines up. And we've got a a mad mage calling a group of probably the wrong adventurers under false pretenses to a to an island park. And he is Austin Powers. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I really like the uh, the disembodied voice and the mistaken uh, getting the wrong adventurers go because then if the uh, characters die, then all of a sudden another character shows up because it's just <laughs> exactly. a, a different adventurer that got the call who just a little late. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love it. It's perfect. Yeah. It's great. It, perfect. <laughs> it really lends itself to a TPK. Yeah, <laughs> it lends itself to a TPK adventure. All right, so this is this is wonderful. I have a, an important question about this island. Uh, is it going to have fences? Are, you're talking about different zones. Right? Are you going to set it up like a theme park, or is it more it's like going to have magical natural? fences? Ooh. Wow. Like they okay. all wear collars that keep them in their zones. Maybe I like, I like that. It. I like. Well, I mean, it's important because now you know you, this this wizard is um, a collector of sorts. Yeah. So yeah, you can't have the big ones eating the little ones because then all mm-hmm. we have left is the big ones. So and you know, oh, imagine this. Like even and then all the people who show up are supposed to wear like special amulets or something that like, so they're literally able to walk through and the things like it just repels the, the creatures wearing the neck. Yeah, the, so you, the, like you know what I mean? Through. So it's like, you know, it's almost Which like means- Westworld a little bit where it's like, they can't <laughs> actually hurt you, but you can walk around. You know what I mean? You can go, there's no, there's yeah. no, there's no pathway in this park. Oh, so like the amulet makes it so the, the monsters can't hurt you. Can't until actually something hurt goes you wrong until, until something goes wrong. Something goes wrong. I like the idea too that the amulet, the amulet goes wrong, but then your characters aren't wearing the collars. But maybe the collars still work to like keep them in the zones. Mm-hmm. So like you know you can escape by getting to the fence and getting through, and the thing that's chasing you can't get through. But then you know you gotta throw at them at some point a moment <laughs> where they're running to the gate from this guy, and there's just mm-hmm. a bigger guy on the other side of it in the next yep. zone. <laughs> oh yeah. I yeah, love right it. when you think you're safe, like you can see the the magical barrier up above the trees and you mm-hmm. finally get to line of sight and you're <laughs> stuck between a fucking T-Rex and then you're running from it and there's a Tarasque on the other side. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so let's keep building out this uh, big bad because I think what we need to determine, John, is like, what are their motivations? Exactly. That's what I need to figure out. Why are, are, why are Why do they come here in the first place? Is it to rescue people that are here is it to destroy things is to to defeat the mage but when the mage is defeated what happens to all the animals you know like are we i mean or is that just gonna be maybe maybe it's more interesting if the mage isn't particularly evil you go the john hammond route you know Mm -hmm. he's just too much hubris and uh they they get brought here under the false pretense of uh a rescue mission or something but it was just because he needed the adventures to come and you're the first guest at his park. It's completely safe. Okay. And then when everything goes wrong, maybe even the mage gets killed. <laughs> That's like just where all the oh, power that was keeping I the park would, safe goes away. I would love that. What if like it's oh, what's that movie where it's like a zombie movie where there's like the really handsome lead actor guy and then he's like, all right, guys, like, stay with me if you want to live. And then, like, something bursts through the window and, like, kills him immediately. <laughs> yeah. What exactly. if, we what if it. like, they're in this thing? He's, like, doing his, like, 
evil guy monologue like on his platform mm-hmm. he's like oh you've made it to my place where you know every i'm the puppet master yada yada and then all of a I sudden you he mean, gets killed oh you found my pug baby <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah all right and, i love and, the and idea you of like solved my riddle huh? <laughs> what if all right so he's wearing an amulet and you all have them like Mm-hmm. <laughs> whenever you like wake up or whatever like maybe you're you come to the park and you're knocked unconscious and then you all wake up and he's there like explaining what's going on and he's like yeah these amulets and he almost mix in some suicide squad he's like i control all of the dinosaurs in this park and as long as you do as i say i won't let them hurt you Uh-oh. you know like um but if you try and remove it you know it, your heart will explode or whatever it is and he's like so as long as i have control of my master amulet you should be just fu- and then it flickers for a second. He's like, "Oh, <laughs> the dinosaur that's standing behind him on a leash." <laughs> just boom. <laughs> what I really love about this because I've I've another idea for you to consider. But before I say it, I will say that I love this because it's that red herring, right? They get to the island and it's this like crazy scene that you set up where like the the villain monologues and they think like, okay, cool. The whole adventure is going to be like trying to get off this island, but we have to kill this uh, wizard. And then in the first act, you kill the wizard and then it's just a, a race to, uh, for survival to get off the island in one piece. And maybe in that room that they're in, they find a map on the the mage mm-hmm. and so like, like okay this is the map of the island we have to fucking get off it somehow and like on like the fucking other side of the island is like the mage's mansion where it looks like there's a dock he might have a boat or something like there's that. a teleportation yeah. circle like, inside the mage's mansion oh yeah yeah i love that there's a teleportation circle in the mage's mansion and you got to get there yeah that's one way to go. Now, here's another nice. thing to consider is, uh, okay, if it's mistaken identity, then just thinking about the plot of Jurassic Park, Hammond went after experts in their field, right? Mm-hmm. So like, you know, putting together an elite team, right? These aren't just uh, any explorers. These are an elite group of explorers that have a specific duty, a specific role. And the wizards summon them here not to kill them, but to... Uh, and this kind of plays into Josh's suggestion as well, but you brought them here not to kill them, but to convince them to endorse his yes, adventure yeah. park. It's like going through a haunted house or like a safari. Like the idea is that it's a game, it's a challenge, but it's it's completely safe. Like as long as I can control them with my amulet, it's completely safe. But the danger is supposed to feel a little real, very Westworld, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and like, that ties together that... both of those suggestions that like, you know, yeah. one, the mage isn't exactly evil. They're just a little inept, at least, yeah. at least in that part of it. And then also... Owing to that ineptness, these are not the experts that they were looking for. <laughs> he these wanted, are just he wanted random super... adventurers that don't know each other. We're all teleported to this yeah. island and like, uh, what the fuck are we doing here? He wanted this famous adventuring party to go and be like, <laughs> yeah, no, we we ran the first test run of this game that he's put together. It's insane. It'll make you feel like us. He's like, all right, yeah, you guys just run through the game. Tell me it doesn't feel real. And is this Legends of the Hidden it. Temple the D&D sesh or what? Yes. <laughs> is that the game we're playing? I could give this them like colored good. shirts. Like <laughs> it could be the, like the purple team and the gold oh team. <laughs> oh man, I love it. Um, <laughs> what if they each have their own crew with them and they're all trying to race in, in oh like it's less of a collaborative D and more like there's competitive. It's like groups. it's like Hunger Games with uh what if you start it like that? Because I have another thing over here. Okay. First off, how many players are we thinking? 24. Two okay. from each district. 
so, so three or four. <laughs> three or four players, John. What's your idea? How, how easy would it be to get a uh, OBS set up for 24 players on a Twitch stream? <laughs> um, you know what? It's super easy. Super just easy, right? Really no, not a problem. Easy. I don't need to sleep. I can just like do that. And I probably don't need to work either because my good, good, wife good. just got a full time. And then, job, you know, the, so. the CPU on on uh, Discord really didn't do well with five, but I'm sure 24. Will be I think the problem is that we're not we don't have enough players. We We've had no problems with three today. So it's a, not a one. Not This is the smoothest so, this has ever gone. Um, I did have an idea that I really loved because of John saying multiple teams competing to get to this boat to get off the <laughs> island, working against each other. I don't think it should be the players on different teams. They should be one team, maybe a team of NPCs that is also working towards this goal that is uh, somehow at odds with them. Maybe there's only four spots on this boat or you know, there's yeah. four teleportations left or something like that. <laughs> there's eight people on this island trying to get off. So you got your group of four and then a group of four NPCs that uh, they're competing against to get off this <laughs> island that will pop up throughout the adventure. I just I like want him it. to roll on your NPC table. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to need them, so, so I say go for it. <laughs> I need you to roll a D8 four times, and I will tell you right now, these are all just characters from Jurassic Park. Okay. So <laughs> Got it. One through three. Uh, go ahead and roll a D8 four times. And we're going right. to, if you double up on any, just roll it again. Got it. All right. I'm using my rainbow dice for this one because remember to love each other. Sweet. I love uh, it. Six. Six. Okay. Uh, you got a kid who got lost and has survived for a year in the wilds of the park. Okay. <laughs> so maybe this isn't the first group he's brought here and the first one didn't go well and he thought everyone died, but there's one kid who survived. He's just been like living as just a insane jungle boy. Got it. For the past year, the inspired by the kid that they go to rescue from cool. Jurassic Park 3. All right. Go ahead and roll again. That's going to be an eight. Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> ah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, so, you know, do your best. <laughs> okay. It's, yeah. <laughs> Next up is, uh, go ahead and give me another roll. All right. We're looking now at four. Four. All right. You have your accomplished hunter slash mercenary that says things like clever girl. Okay. And one more. All my favorite characters so far. <laughs> right. um, did I say three yet? You have not said three uh, yet. Then it is three. I wrote just Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hold on to your butts. Yep. So that's your team. You got Sam Jackson, Jeff Goldblum, Clever Girl, and the kid from the third one. Got it. <laughs> that's what kid from the third one. That, those are all of their actual <laughs> names in the film too. Which is, yep, I actually really wild. like the third one. A lot of people hate on it, but I, I, I love the third one. It's so bad. <laughs> It is bad, but in a good way. In a good way. You don't have to use the competing against another team idea, but if you do, these are your characters. So, so I like to think of Jurassic Park 3 as just the prequel to the first season of Shameless. <laughs> that, yes. is the, that is the same 100%. actor, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Oh, what's know? his name? Uh, 
Why can't I think of his name? Nathar, help. William uh, H. Macy? Yes, yeah. that's the one. Yep. Dude, William H. <laughs> Macy is always like this like unwitting kind of like fucker that just gets the short end of the stick in every, every single... time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever so seen well. something where something goes right for him. But <laughs> well, we I think this? that um, where we need to take this is we need to build out some zones and we need to think about what kinds of creatures are stored on this island. So uh, let's let's grab a D8 on this one. All right, I have a new D8. All right, tell us about this one. What's its story? Yes, describe this one. I got us. this dice. It's um, it's kind of like a flame red. Um, oh no, more like a heart red. It's like really deep and crimson, and has stripes in it and streaks and stuff. And I got it to when I was had a a, a demon boss that my characters were fighting one time. I had to get dice for them. Uh, oh. it. buying new dice just for uh just for the boss it's yep. the sign of a true dm being a dm is expensive um <laughs> six i love it demon okay. boss roll to six. a six okay first up in your gauntlet is a neotholid it is a gargantuan aberration this chaotic evil suggested alignment is a slime covered worm of immense size. The neotholid is the result of the mind flayer reproductive cycle gone horribly wrong. Ooh. On rare occasions, an illithid colony collapses, typically after an external assault, and the elder brain is killed. When that happens, the colony's tadpoles are freed from their fate. They no longer serve as food and in turn are no longer fed by their caretakers. Driven by hunger, they turn to devouring one another. Only one tadpole survives of the thousands in the colony's pool, and it emerges as a neotholid. Ah, And yes. uh, yeah, it is, a, it is an insane-looking worm. <laughs> I've, I, I've pulled it up here now, yes. Okay, I, cool. I, I, just put a, I just put a picture in the chat. <laughs> it's only got 325 HP. Of course, you could nerf this easily, I think, if, if you really wanted to. But uh, nope. I'm assuming that a lot of the creatures that are in on this island are probably not things they want to fight so much as they want to evade. So a lot of them on this first table are going to be things that are... Uh, insurmountable to some extent that's so, what you think <laughs> that is that is uh one possibility for a zone it says that it's uh un environment is under dark so that's like a cave uh, mm -hmm. zone of sorts so if they have to trek through a cave to get to one side of the island they would run into the neothlid there so roll it again all right i'm gonna roll a dice that is uh i thought was a wood dice i bought it and is more copper <laughs> one you've been duped Ooh, I'm so glad you rolled a one. I'm so excited for this. You rolled the Tarask. Oh, yes. my God. Yes. <laughs> There's a Tarask on this island. Now, don't ask me how your wizard managed to transport a Tarask to this get island. get a collar on it. <laughs> get a collar on it, yeah. Um, the legendary Tarask is possibly the most dreaded monster of the material plane. Widely believed that only one of these creatures actually exists, that no one can predict where and when it will strike. However, we can. A scaly biped, the Tarasque, is 50 feet tall, 70 feet long, weighs 100 tons. It carries its, or hundreds of tons, I'm sorry, it carries itself like a bird of prey, leaning forward, using its powerful lashing tail for balance. Its cavernous maw yawns wide enough to swallow all but the largest creatures. And it's so great is its hunger that it can devour the population of whole towns. All so right. that's a, an urban environment. So I think that fits well with 
this like you could just basically put it anywhere on the island and it keeps showing up wherever the like uh visitor center is or like wherever <laughs> they're trying to get it on the island. I like it's the, the idea it's of, the Tyrannosaurus Rex and it crashes through and, and shakes everything. Yeah, I like the idea of the Tarask being that like first Jurassic Park, like what the T Rex was. Like right when you think you're it's there, you escape, it's gonna show back up later somewhere else. It's yeah, hunting yeah, you, yeah. you know. <laughs> All right. Um, do you want to uh, roll one more like big, big, big creature, or do you want to like get some small creatures? Oh, yeah, let's do one more big creature. Okay, roll that d6 again. All right. <laughs> I rolled a one again. Can we have two? <laughs> <laughs> Mommy and a daddy. Uh, four. Are you familiar with deep crows? I think my doctor might have told me I had something like that at one point, but. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Okay, look up ancient deep crow. That's actually the one that's on this table. Yeah. Uh, so little is known of the deep crows I see that even less is known of their monstrous leviathan cousins, the ancient deep crows. Whether these gargantuan specimens are elder deep crows grown to great size or some higher form that holds lesser deep crows in thrall remains to be determined, ideally by someone else. Seriously, stay away from these things. <laughs> this is from Acquisitions Incorporated. Uh, it says its lair is... Uh, uh, deep crows and ancient deep crows roost in places both deep and warm, favoring sites with access to exposed lava. So this is going to be your volcanic region of the island. The spires of volcanic rock the creature prizes as roosts are common in such places whose ambient warmth provides constant temperature regulation for the creature's eggs. So... Uh, there's also regional effects. The region containing an ancient deep crow's lair is transformed by the creature's presence, which creates one or more of the following effects. Supernatural shadow turns all bright light to dim light uh, in underground regions within six miles of the lair. Intermittent echoing cause can be heard coming from all directions within six miles. Subterranean beasts within a mile of the ancient deep crow's lair serve as the creature's eyes and ears, so like wargs in a sense alerting to it, it to the presence of intruders and making it all but impossible to surprise it. So Love it. That's a pretty cool monster to have on your island. I love it because we got like the underdark. We've got like the the terrain level and then we got the, the sky and the high. Like, we got like one <laughs> good beast for the... Yeah, we got, we got one below, one where we are and one above. All right, should we get some smaller beasties going on? I think we should fill this out with some stuff that's not as crazy. So let me pull up a different table. These are your uh, your Godzilla level titans that are honestly probably just going to fight each other <laughs> at some point, and you just have to try not to die in the process. <laughs> These are the things that are marked on the uh, the map of the island as uh, no fly zones. Right? Yes, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. Just like avoid at all cost. Well, actually, just the Tarrasque is the only the, one that the looks Tarrasque. insurmountable. I think the players could probably take on the other two, especially yeah. if they're clever. Yeah. Now, if oh, they could right. get the other two to fight the Tarrasque with them, very clever. Then maybe they could take that down. You know, you know, you, you don't know. <laughs> so, um, uh, what should I should I find a D eight, a D six? I actually have twelve on this list. So grab a D twelve. Oh, okay. I can find one of those. Faux show. All right. So this dice uh, it comes from the set that I used to play a character in Josh's campaign, where I was a half demon person and uh, would roll a, a d20 occasionally to see whether or not I would try to eat the person I was talking to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I miss it. <laughs> John, you really are a great, a great player and a great DM. And 
I can't I, I can't wait to play in one of your campaigns again. <laughs> My role was a five. Ooh. Okay, so these are still dangerous. Not like little, little, but they are much lower in the challenge rating department. Um, a five? Have you ever heard of a hook horror? Oh. Yes. <laughs> a hook horror is a fierce predator of the Underdark. They aggressively defend its hunting grounds. The subterranean caverns where these creatures dwell echo with the constant clacking and scraping of their hooks as they wind their way up cliffs and along cavern walls. Oh, yes. The monstrous hook horror has a head resembling a vulture's and the torso of an enormous beetle with an exoskeleton studded by sharp, bony protuberances. It gains its name from its long, powerful, built arms and legs, which end wickedly in wickedly curved hooked claws. All right, so now we probably need to fill out one that'll be more kind of in the sky and one that'll be more on the ground, but this is, our Underdark is getting pretty filled out here, for sure. Yeah, and then we can re-roll stuff if you want. At the end, you're yeah. like, you know what, I'm not going to keep one of these. Let's re-roll it and see what else is on there. But um, let's roll that D12 again. Okay. Nine. Ooh, okay. You rolled up a young Remoraz. From beneath the snow and ice bursts a rimaraz in a cloud of steam, its body pulsing with internal fire. Wing-like fins flare from the back of the creature's head, and its wide mouth brims with jagged teeth. It's an arctic predator. All right, now we have an arctic setting. How do you spell mm -hmm. that? All right. Is that the one that's the this, this CR5? It is a CR5. Cool. Yep, it's a challenge rating of five. All right, why don't you um, give me three more rolls, and we'll see what we land with. All right. So we've got two. Ooh, that is going to be a cave fisher. Ooh, which is uh, it's a subterranean. It's another subterranean, but you could probably spin this off into something else. It's another subterranean one. Uh, arachnid with a long snout that houses spinnerets, enabling the creature to produce sticky filament, much like the strands of a spider's webbing, which the creature creature uses to snag prey. So, uh. You could totally spin that into like a rocky region, say like it's it's above ground. It doesn't have to be subterranean. Um, oh, I had it uh, above ground when I, I've used this creature against Josh in the past. On me, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay, let's go uh, a couple more times. Uh, ten. Just changing things up a little bit here. It's a hollyphant. Nice. You familiar with the hollyphant? I am not. Hollyphants are gentle, stalwart creatures native to the upper plains. Good-aligned deities and angels use them as messengers and helpers. Hollyphants treasure friendship and honesty. <laughs> it looks like a miniature elephant with luminous gold fur and a small, rapidly or small, rapidly fluttering wings that not only hold it aloft but also propel it at great speed. I love. I it. love this. I love that we can just run into these bad boys on the island. A little cluster of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they're blessed with powerful innate magic to help it combat evil and protect its friends. So this is Aww. not a uh, this is an encounter that is not going to hinder the players, but will help. I love it. I love that. I was hoping for something like that. Give me one more, and then we'll we'll kind of discuss our our overall uh, assortment. All right, I got a six. A six. Ooh, another friendly. It's a coaddle. They are friendly, benevolent, serpentine beings of great intellect and insight. Their brilliantly colored wings and gentle manner speak to their celestial origins. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like a dragon error. They were created as guardians and caretakers by a benevolent god not worshipped since the dawn of time, and which is forgotten now by all but the coattles themselves. 
They are truth tellers. They're ancient and few. It prefers to remain hidden, revealing itself only as a last resort. They can't lie, but they can withhold information, answer questions vaguely, or allow others to jump to the wrong conclusions. If doing so is necessary to protect something, to keep promises, or to hide the secret of its existence. I like this creature specifically for those reasons, the fact that it has some implied personality traits that make it an interesting encounter on the island. So. Agreed. All right. So how are you feeling? You got enough or do you want to roll up a couple more? Because I got lots of other cool things. Some you know, dangerous, some not so. I, I think I'm pretty happy with this. I think this is plenty awesome. for what we are looking for currently. So Yeah, it's quite a smorgasbord. So run them down again. All right. So we got the Neothlid. We got the mm. Tarask. We've got the Ancient Deep Crow. We have a Hook Horror. A Young Remoraz. A mm-hmm. cave fisher, a holy fent, and a coatl. Do you feel like you have enough information at this point to be able to to put together an adventure by next Sunday? I do. This was amazing. Thank you guys so much for inviting me to do this because I had a blast. It was so much fun throwing these ideas off of you guys. So I appreciate it. Oh yeah. Loved having you. learn today what did we learn today i learned how to spell coatl <laughs> i learned that just because you can doesn't mean you should <laughs> i learned that none of us can do a jeff goldblum impression <laughs> all, right. all right i want to thank you guys all so much for listening to another episode of dungeon babies uh josh where can they find you you can find me on Instagram or wherever else. I'm Josh is the worst, but worst is with a U, like a sausage. John, where can they find you? On Instagram and Twitter. Find me at John Graham FT. Beautiful. You can find me at Mathur De Leon, and you can find all of us at Catacomb Party on uh, Instagram, Twitter, any social media platform. You can also follow Favorite Terrain, which is our actual play campaign, the first arc of which is available on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. And the season two of that, or arc two, I should say, is uh, on the cutting room floor. So you'll be seeing that super soon, within the next month or two, it'll start being published. And I'm real excited for where that's going to go. John is the DM for that campaign, and both Josh and I play in it. Uh, you want to see our real faces? You can go to twitch.tv slash catacombparty, and our next stream is going to be Sunday, September 13th. It's going to be at 5 p.m. Follow us on Instagram. That's where most of the updates are going to be. Now, to wrap us up, bring us home. Josh and I like to do a little ritual, which we call Seeking Wisdom from the Cube of Sage Advice. Okay. So why don't you grab a D6, tell us a little bit about your D6, and then uh, <laughs> we'll see what the, the cube has to say. All right. So um, I am going to go ahead and grab a D6 from my set of bone dice here that I bought, thinking I'd use them all the time, and they've never rolled well for me ever. So... I put them away. The most important thing is that there's no good rules for the keep of sage advice. A two. (laughs) The cube of sage advice would like you to know that you should stop waiting for the light at the end of the tunnel and light that bitch up yourself. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> I'm going to think about that. It's a real swerve from the classic cube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cube changed it up today. The cube looked online for uh, cheesy inspirational photo quotes that people post on Instagram <laughs> and got some real good ones. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> all right. Remember, kids, it's all imagination. Is it? Telecom Pilot.